Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode number 48 of Painting the Corners with Anton Schindler, brought to you by 90.5 KCSU. In this week's episode of Painting the Corners, we're going to talk about the history of the Negro Leagues, the professional baseball league with teams primarily made up of African Americans and, to a lesser extent, Latin Americans as well. There's quite a lot to cover in this topic of the Historic League, so let's just hop right into it. Let's start with a brief history of the Negro Leagues, starting with the differentiation between the amateur era of the league to the professional baseball era, two eras split between 60 or so years. The amateur era is said to have lasted from about 1859 to 1920, which marks the beginning of the professional baseball era. The second era would last for around 30 years before the Negro National League disbands, about 10 years before the disbanding of the Negro American League. A couple teams, like the Newark Eagles and the New York Black Yankees, went on barnstorming trips, a form of traveling tournament-style baseball, leading up to the final disbandment of a Negro League team known as the Indianapolis Clowns, who played until 1989. That's about, if you're counting, 130 years of Negro League baseball, only really about 16 years shy of the creation of Major League Baseball in 1876. And, in that time, the topic of racism, segregation, and integration were in constant contention. Negro League Baseball was an integral part of African American life and the culture during the Jim Crow era, and one of the most popular baseball scenes during World War II. From it came some incredibly inspirational names, Hall of Famers that changed the game for better and made it into the game that we love today. In 1859, the first documented baseball game between two African American teams was played in New York City between the Henson Baseball Club of Queens and the Unknowns of Brooklyn. The game happened just 13 years after the first recorded baseball game ever between the New York Nine and the New York Knickerbockers. Now, this is an important thing to mention because truly, Negro League Baseball was there from the start. It's crazy to say that this professional league of baseball didn't have some sort of impact on the game that we have today, as it almost certainly did. By 1885, the first African-American professional team, known as the Cuban Giants, were founded in Babylon, New York. The Cuban Giants were in fact the first fully salaried African-American professional baseball club and started out life as an independent barnstorming team, playing games against opponents of all types, both major and minor league clubs, as well as semi-professional teams, and even college and amateur squads, if they dared to take on the talent of this team. The Cuban Giants started to forge a path in professional league baseball, and just two years later, in 1887, helped to create the National Colored Baseball League, which became the first professional African American league. The league had eight teams to start, the Baltimore Lord Baltimores, the Boston Resolutes, the Louisville Falls Cities, the New York Gorums, 
the Philadelphia Pythians, the Pittsburgh Keystones, the Washington Capital Cities, and finally, the Cincinnati Browns. Now, although attendance was bad and the league quickly folded due to financial problems, it proved that creating a league was a possibility. That was until 1890. You see, in July of 1887, the International League banned future contracts with black players, although it allowed black players already under contract to stay on its teams. However, by 1890, most professional black players were limited to playing in exhibition games on colored teams on the barnstorming circuit. These were the first two events that shaped the color line and the initial segregation of professional baseball. By 1896, America was starting to do the same outside of professional baseball. In May of 1896, the Plessy v. Ferguson decision was upheld in Louisiana for the state law that allowed for equal but separate accommodations for the white and colored races. The doctrine upheld racial segregation once and for all. However, that didn't stop Bud Fowler and his page fence giants, who became one of the greatest Negro League teams of all time. The Page Fence Giants, much like the Cuban Giants, were a barnstorming team that would travel by railroad car to face off against major league teams such as the Cincinnati Reds. The team, led by Fowler, actually faced off against the Cuban Giants that same year in a national championship, in a series where the Page Fence Giants beat the Cuban Giants, winning 10 of the 15 games that they played. The teams continued to play around the league in the same barnstorming fashion until 1920, which marked the creation of the Negro National League. The league, created by Andrew Rube Foster and a couple other owners from the other Midwest teams, would create a league of seven teams that would compete against each other starting May 20, 1920, of which sparked the beginning of the golden era of Negro League baseball. The seven teams included the Chicago American Giants, the Chicago Giants, the Dayton Marcos, the Detroit Stars, the Indianapolis ABCs, the Kansas City Monarchs, and the Cuban Stars. Around the same time, the Negro Southern League was created, adding another six or so teams to the mix. Three years later, the Eastern Colored League forms with six more teams, the Brooklyn Royal Giants, the Hilldale Club, the Bachelorette Giants, the Lincoln Giants, the Baltimore Black Sox, and the Cuban Stars, who transferred to the Eastern League after their time in the Midwest circuit. And by 1924, the first ever Negro League World Series was held between the Kansas City Monarchs of the Negro National League and the Hilldale Club of the Eastern League. After a nine-game series, the Monarchs took the championship five games to four. Between 1920 and 1989, around 22 new Negro League teams were born to display some incredible talent and incredible baseball for the fans in each one of the cities. After a bit of a hiccup in the league during the Great Depression in 1929 that saw a steep decline in ticket sales and finances for the teams during that entire 43-month span, the Negro National League officially, unfortunately, disbands. Five of the teams, 
the Chicago American Giants, the Cleveland Cubs, the Detroit Stars, Indianapolis ABCs, and the Louisville White Sox still stood their ground, however, and in 1932 would form their own league, the brand new Negro Southern League. The league, with the addition of the Negro National League, would play the first East versus West colored all-star game at Comiskey Park in Chicago, which drew in 20,000 fans, an unbelievable number for the game. The success of the league sprouted another league, the Negro American League, in 1937, which housed the strongest teams on the West Coast and in the South. One of these teams, the Homestead Grays, would win nine straight Negro National League championships, led by Josh Gibson and Buck Leonard, two, by the way, future Hall of Famers. By 1946, a speedy young right fielder on the Kansas City Monarchs by the name of Jackie Robinson was signed by the Brooklyn Dodgers organization. Jackie would go on and play for the Montreal Royals, the AAA farm club for the Dodgers, for a time, before making his Major League Baseball debut on April 15, 1947. Now at the time, Robinson was the first African American to play in the International League in more than 60 years, and he was the first African American player in Major League Baseball history, achieving both feats within a year of each other. In his debut, Jackie played first base in front of 26,623 fans at Ebbets Field in Brooklyn, New York, and although he went hitless, he was able to reach base in the seventh inning off of an error and eventually scored the go-ahead run in a victory over the Boston Braves. And from that day on, baseball would be changed forever. Robinson would break the color barrier in a sport that had been segregated for more than 50 years, paving the path for millions like him to play the sport that they love in a desegregated manner. After winning the Rookie of the Year award in 1947 with a league-leading 29 stolen bases and a .297 batting average, Jackie would play another nine years in a Brooklyn Dodgers uniform collecting 1,563 hits, 141 home runs, 200 career stolen bases, a 410 on-base percentage, and an incredible 313 career batting average, still good for 84th on the all-time list. Jackie's performance on the field was one thing, but what he did off the field shattering the color barrier and paving the way for countless numbers of future generations to join the game. His lasting impact on the sport is immeasurable. It's the reason why we celebrate Jackie Robinson Day every year on April 15th, with 2022 being the 75th anniversary of his debut and the game changing forever. Shortly after Jackie broke the color barrier, Another pioneer, Larry Dobby, became the first African-American player in the American League when he joined the Cleveland Indians on July 5, 1947. With the MLB becoming fully desegregated, the Negro National League disbands a year later, leaving only the Negro American League as the only major African-American league still playing. By 1952, 
more than 150 African-American baseball players, most of which came from the Negro Leagues, by the way, would sign major league contracts, basically putting an end to the era of African-American league baseball. As I mentioned before, the Indianapolis Clowns would continue to play in the bandwagon style until 1989, but even then, their exhibition games kind of turned into more of a humorous sideshow rather than a competitive sport, much like the Savannah Bananas or Harlem Globetrotters, if you can think of it that way. Of their notable alumni was Hank Aaron, who played for the Clowns for a time, and Tony Stone, the first of three female players, including Mammy Peanut Johnson and Connie Morgan, who were all signed to a long-term contract with the team. A hundred years after the disbanding of the league, in December 2020, Major League Baseball finally decided to recognize Negro Leaguers as Major Leaguers. The decision saw all 3,400 players that played in the league from 1920 to 1948 be elevated to MLB status. Now, I say finally because in 1969, there was actually an opportunity to retroactively award the Negro Leaguers Major League status, but at the time, the MLB committee didn't even consider it. In 2020, however, the MLB committee recognized that as an obvious error and corrected the longtime oversight, finally recognizing the 3,400 players as Major Leaguers. This meant that finally, Negro League Baseball players would be measured alongside MLB players in the record books, finally recording the game records together. And the 37 Hall of Famers from the Negro League Hall of Fame would finally be put into Cooperstown, alongside the greats in the National Baseball Hall of Fame, where they rightly deserve to be. All 37 were inducted by the early Baseball Era Committee, with the newest inductees being Buck O'Neill and Bud Fowler, both of which were inducted in 2022. The best part is, according to the records and strength of the career of these 37 Negro League Hall of Famers, all 37 were easy additions to make the Hall. So there we go. That was a quick look at the history of the Negro Leagues. And like almost every podcast that I've done, I feel like I've only lightly scratched the surface on the 130-year history of the Negro Leagues and the players that headlined it. So in next week's episode, we'll talk about some of the great Negro League players of all time and go into detail of each of their incredible careers. Thank you for listening.